This is episode 000019. You can't hold sound. Coming to you from the propaganda machine at clarifysound.com. <laughs> Shots fired. <laughs> it's the tone control. Well, they're assholes. I'm sorry. It's a stupid product. Rant complete? Rant complete. <laughs> and it comes uh, back around. So, oh, check it out. I think I mentioned this to you a long time ago. This is Heady Topper. This is that beer that's like uh-huh. the best beer in the world right now. Is it? Um, according to whom? According to Beer Advocate and to, um, forget the other one, the other like similar to Beer Advocate thing. <laughs> It's an American double IPA. Comes in a tall boy. It says right on it, drink from the can. So that's what I'm going to do. Hell yeah. Um, oh, God. It smells like grapefruits. Mm hmm. Oh, it's really good. <laughs> <laughs> I've had a few over the last you know, week or so. They were a gift because mm-hmm. you can only buy them in Vermont. Because, oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> Um, it's one whole pint and it's 8%. Oh, wow. It's pretty powerful stuff. If in the off chance you ever find it, yeah, buy it. If the next time I find myself in Vermont. It's insanely good. Best beer in the world? I don't know. I haven't tried them. (laughs) (laughs) Well said. Holy holy cow. So if I just take a sip throughout the show and go... You'll know what's happening. <laughs> yeah, all right. Hmm. Well, I guess we've got a somewhat short show. We've got a somewhat short, shorter than average list of stuff to go through yeah. this time. So maybe we were thinking we might take the opportunity to answer a question from, gosh, probably a couple of months ago at this point. Yeah. I think the question think was, was who ago. the heck are you? <laughs> yeah it was something like who which one is which and yeah and who are you and i had to i think it was the episode when we were sick somebody oh, asked yeah, and, yeah. um maybe we should just say hello again yeah we haven't really <laughs> talked about who we are since i think it was the second one we were like oh maybe we should explain why you should listen to us <laughs> yeah um and then i'm sure if people are listening regularly i'm i like to think People have been able to kind of piece together why they should listen to us. And like, <laughs> We're like a mystery maybe, novel. Yeah, and who we are. And, and, you know, we've talked about some stuff we've done in the past. Right. Like we've mentioned that we played in a band together, but we never really talked about it. And anyway, so uh, that's what we want to do now. And like Justin said, there's not a lot of news per there's se. There's a little bit of news. There's a little bit, but it's mostly because I was traveling for work and I didn't put a show together. <laughs> so and when Derek doesn't do thought, all the work, none of the work gets done. <laughs> <laughs> so let's uh, so let's do that first, then. Yeah. All right. So what what is what is Derek? Um, I don't really know how to answer that. And I knew we were <laughs> I knew we were going to do this today. Yeah, I didn't prepare I either. Didn't, I didn't really think <laughs> of how I might describe myself. I don't know, or like explain what it is I do. But mm. um, I guess what I can say is that I play guitar, uh, guitar of all kinds, all all everything. kinds of guitar, all the guitars. So. Um, uh, let's see, when did I start playing? I was in eighth grade, so however old you are in eighth grade, that's when I, I don't remember. Is it, <laughs> How old is it are 13? people in eight? Yeah, because 14 um, is, nine, yeah, like high school. Right? Yeah, right. So eighth grade, I started learning. I was like, well, this is way cooler than the clarinet. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, And I guess it, it's just kind of became... A bad habit, you could say, from there. Um, I got <laughs> Financially really in, bad habit. I, so, yeah. <laughs> I got really into uh, like learning about gear because I, I you know, got musicians' friend catalogs and stuff and would just read about all the new models that were coming out. And 
didn't really understand at the time. I remember thinking like standard strat, American strat, squire strat, like what's, what's all this about? And it was just like, I couldn't get enough of learning about that kind of stuff. I think you could say that's how this podcast started. <laughs> was, was, was in eighth grade. Eighth, eighth grade me was like, you know, <laughs> podcasts don't exist yet, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I should do one. <laughs> and then I guess um, once I, I lived in Connecticut for a long time and the band was in New Hampshire and I moved you and I started hanging out more because we like lived in the same place. Mm-hmm. And we always talked about gear because it wasn't even like, not that like, it wasn't the only thing we had in common, but it was like <laughs> the, because obviously we have tons of other things in common, no, but, but it was like, it, okay, no, no, I know what you're, it sounds weird, but it's like, it's all we would ever talk about, but it's true. And it's, it's because we just both find it so great. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> gear is great um, and you can touch it and yeah. you can look at it. Yeah, yeah, but you, you can't hold the sound, so whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's that's the the chase. I don't know. Anyway, you can't hold um, sound. <laughs> <laughs> and we, um, for the longest time, we joked about like we should just talk about this on the internet, and then we like just stopped kind of joking about it, and yeah, then uh, you know. We started doing the thing. And eventually. And then I moved away. We started the show right after I moved away. Yeah, we, we yeah, that's right. You moved from, from here to there to the South Hat. <laughs> and um yeah, well we had planned to start it, but we couldn't start it till after you moved, basically. Yeah, so we were too yeah. busy. I think we decided it was like a year ago, wasn't it? When Most we when we registered the when domain, we were, actually actually yeah. Uh, yesterday, the domain ToneControlShow.com <laughs> renewed for a second year. Awesome. Now that you mention we're, it. We're one. <laughs> sort of. I mean, we've only yeah. been doing the show since September. But, right. Um, yeah, so that, that'll give you an idea. So we thought about doing this over the summer and then finally buckled down in September. Yeah. And the rest is history. So, and then that's, that's the me. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> so, so what's the you? What's the Justin? A Justin is, I I similarly started playing music kind of in middle school. Um, I think my first, in fact, the Mexican uh, J bass that I have is, was my first rock and roll instrument. I played saxophone also in high school and stuff, but. Arguably a rock and no. (laughs) (laughs) According to Bruce Springsteen. That's a rock and roll instrument, but yeah, yeah. but the the J bass was my, that was my first. I still have it. I was I I was a singer in bands for a little while, uh, and then I actually played the bass in a band in a metal band, which was really fun. Um, <laughs> aggressive music can be really fun <laughs> to play <laughs> to play at live shows, especially. Uh, yeah. And then I was. And then I started a band that I was again the singer of, but I needed to write songs. So that's kind of when I picked up a guitar that I could like write melodies with, sort of thing. So my guitar playing didn't start till much later. And I didn't know that. You didn't? No, no I, I thought you I thought you played guitar and then like me said I should get a bass. No, 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 no. Bass was that was <clears throat> my first my parents bought that for me. Hmm. Yeah. I didn't get a bass until like a few years ago. So oh. So you're a bass player, is what you're telling me. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I'm really either anymore, um, yeah. but uh, I-, I was never that great a musician either, but I was always interested in the technology of it, which is why I became an audio engineer. Um, so that's what I do now, mostly. I don't play guitar very much. I mean, I have them here, and I noodle around. Um, I test a lot of pedals <laughs> and uh, stuff like that, um, but I'm... What, you, what, what am I saying? Like, Musical You're acts. not really playing in a local band. Yeah, right I'm now, not playing in any bands here in Cincinnati yeah. or anything. Um, but I'm, you know, I'm engineering full time and I'm in the thick of it in audio gear one way or another, and that translates a lot of it to to, um, to guitar gear. So, yeah, which is the other side of this. Like I, <laughs> the the part of the the uh, I part guess, of why this podcast formula, yeah, was concocted. I guess. Yeah, because we were like, well, I, I, you know, I don't know anything really, or, or <laughs> I, I know things about recording, but not <laughs> like I couldn't just go do it. No. Um, but 
I feel like I have a deeper history in guitar than you mm-hmm. and then, you know, vice versa. So the deeper that's guitar why, player perspective, and then I can do the, um, the pro audio perspective. Yeah. The other so it's side like the microphone. almost, right. Almost even like, do do do. I'm walking into the studio to record some music <laughs> angle for me. And you're like, do 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 guys coming in today to record some music. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so I think that's, that's it. Yeah. That's I hope that good. helps. I mean, we spent like 10 minutes now talking about it. So, so what are we, this is episode 19. Yeah. Um, maybe like every 19 or 20 episodes, <laughs> we should do this. <laughs> uh, yeah. Let's oh, reintroduce I ourselves again. To, I was talking to Taylor, um, our buddy Taylor. And he, uh, Taylor played bass in the band Justin and I were in, just, you know, so you know. Um, and he was saying, what are you guys going to do for your 100th episode? And I was like, wow, that's, that's a Join the question. AARP? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and he was like, you should do a best of. And I don't know how much work that would be for you, but I think we should just do like all the most ridiculous jokes and the, the best coming to you live from all just <laughs> one after the other. <laughs> you know, um, how much work will that be for me? Um, I do not keep any of this old stuff on my system. <laughs> There's a Dropbox folder that is full of the episodes in MP3 form, the same form that downloads to the to the user. And um, <laughs> those would be what we have to go through. And so it'd be like, yeah. if, if we could pick through and it, it would literally take hours. <laughs> so many hours. <laughs> dozens and dozens well, and dozens each, of hours. If each episode is about an hour. Yeah. We're looking at at least right now 19 hours. <laughs> yeah, holy cow. So, anyway. Anyway, maybe we can think of something special. We've still got 81 to go. So. Yeah, I'm sure we'll have time. <laughs> I'm sure we'll have time. <laughs> to be honest, uh when we started this, I wasn't thinking about 20 episodes. So, in 19 yeah. episodes, I wasn't really thinking about anything. I was mostly thinking about man, our first few are going to be terrible. Right. Which they were. <laughs> yeah, they were. I, I heard advice that you should plan on throwing away your first three or so so you can get the yeah. hang of it. And we did not take that advice. We did not. Well, whatever. I mean, like the, that news that we talked about back then was still cool. Yeah, that's you know, right. It's still that's stuff right. we wanted to talk about. Yeah, we, which was we're slightly weird, less awkward now. <laughs> only slightly. Only slightly. <laughs> Well, um, we do have a couple of news items. Why don't we get into it? And we can start by mentioning that, once again, this episode is sponsored by Pedal Genie. You should all, every one of you, go to pedalgenie.com slash tone control and find out what the heck I'm talking about. All your pedal wishes granted. Oh, you gave it away. Well, I mean, that could be anything. I wish my pedal board had more... Velcro. (laughs) (laughs) I really fizzled out there at the end. (laughs) What's he going to say? So, yes. uh, Shall we do the news? Yeah. You know, it's funny. I like whenever we say, like, let's do the news. I always like wait a beat so I can, in my head, hear the little. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, I, I put or, or space in there for those. <laughs> yeah. And I, I want to hear it like, you know, uh, yeah, IRL. Maybe right we should now. do that. Maybe we should get a soundboard and we should try to do the show live. Oh, wait. We should insert the sound Hang effects on. Stand live. Stand by. Stand Uh-oh. by. He's going away from the mic. Oh. <laughs> Hold right. on. Oh, wait. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the tone control unplugged. <laughs> Terrible. Terrible. Okay. Every now, you know what's funny is like so I, I may have mentioned this once before is I those things that are in between the news stories and all those little bumps and stuff. Those are just like things I play on guitar when I pick up a guitar. Yeah. So when I go downstairs and I play guitar in the afternoon or something and I that just comes out, it's like wait a minute. Where have I? Oh, I heard it on the tone control. Yeah, <laughs> yeah those anyway. were those are things that I when we started after a few episodes and we realized it would be cool if we had little soundies. Um, 
I asked Derek to record a bunch of little stabby licky things. And uh, that's where most of this nonsense came from. And then since the since Pedal Genie's been sponsoring us, we've been getting all these pedals. We've been making more um, from the pedals. Yeah. While we get a pedal, we try to make a little clip of each one, um, as long as they're mildly interesting. I've let a few go, honestly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, some stuff. It's, a lot of like the drive overdrives that I've had, it's, you wouldn't really be able to tell yeah. if it was that or a sim in the situation. But right. whatever. Yep. Um, a little behind the curtain action for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, now we can do the news. <laughs> okay. Uh, so first up, Mesa Boogie. Cab clone. See, I just did it too. I put in the little beat in my head. I was like, you don't have to do that. You're going to edit one in later. I did it. <laughs> Son of a bitch. So um, the Mesa Boogie saw- Cab clone. Now this came out like the day after... Or, or like later that night when we recorded the last episode, I think. Yeah, it's and it made a lot of noise. I don't know what I should say, but it made some waves. <laughs> we just start spreading ridiculous rumors. How is, that the, how is that the first time we've made that comment about a piece of gear on this show? This is a piece of gear that's making a lot of noise. <laughs> just can't i literally literally can't can't even can't. on a scale from one to even i can't <laughs> <laughs> um and it, i added this because we had been kind of mentioning it briefly here and there and also it was all over all the news sites and also a uh, friend of the show brian Rizzi yeah. told us about it Brian's <laughs> so. right right we finished recording a show and went back to our phones to discover that brian was like hey what about this and i was like oh yeah. too late <laughs> yeah. So it came out like um, right after we recorded the last one. So it's a passive yeah. cabinet simulator. It's basically a load box that absorbs the output from your amp so that it's not dangerous to your tubes to run it not plugged into a speaker. So you can do this uh, and still run your cab. Or you can, and you can just I, take... I mean, I believe you can run it without the cab as well. Right, right? you can. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The idea is though, I think it's you can use it with or without a cab. This is this has me interested in like live recording, like recording a, a concert. Basically, um, uh-huh. it seems like the thing that might be the way to go for that instead of recording the cab on the stage. Um, maybe sense? I, I mean, mean, if it really does sound as good as a cab, I mean that's the thing because on stage, yeah. I mean, guitar players are used to having a microphone in their cab on stage True. for the sound reinforcement. So there's no reason you can't take a mult off of that to record. No, I'm, I, that's what I mean. Is like yeah. playing live from the cab, but recording off the amp before yeah. the cab. Um, and, and that's I don't the know question, what the right? It's like, be, how good does it sound? I mean, does it really sound as good as your cab with a microphone mm-hmm. in front of it? Because that's the thing with a lot of these is they they're pretty good, you know. And, and if they really, really take their time to dial in um, what they're trying to the sound that they're trying to get, I mean. But it, but it yeah. works as a, as a direct box. I mean, it's got level adjustment for the DI output. So there's an XLR output uh, balance. There's a line output in a uh, quarter-inch jack. Headphone is a quarter-inch jack. And then the, the uh, input and then through to the speaker, of course, are all quarter-inch. So I guess the pass-through must be unattenuated, though. So Probably. Oh, okay. So guess. that's actually it, a difference than what I was thinking about because um, usually those hot plate things were for reducing mm-hmm. the speaker volume. So you could like run your amp at a quieter volume with the, but the tubes are still like maxed out. Right. Kind of thing. So, so this also has, um, the cab simulator for closed back, open back or vintage cabinet. I'm not really sure what vintage cabinet means. It yeah. might be like a semi, you know, semi open. I'm not sure. Um, a ground lift and a, a phase switch. To, to flip the phase 180 degrees. Um, I, I, my question for you is what is actually happening in this kind of box? Like I understand it's taking the load and simulating a speaker for the amp. So the amp doesn't know any better. Right. Right. It's, yeah. Right. So it's providing a proper load for the amplifier output. And, and the benefit is basically that you, you can provide load for the amp but not be hooked up to a speaker. Right, which you can't do with okay. a tube amp. Like you can't turn a tube amp on with, without a speaker plugged into it. Um, so if you were yeah. trying to record direct out. Yeah, I'm interested in learning more about it. 
Mesa has some videos up and some some audio samples of this. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I don't think they were very clear in the video of what's happening. And I mean, I kind of got the idea, but at the same time, the video showed them with cabs with mics on the cabs. So like the the visual is not as uh, right. it doesn't explain as and it much doesn't delineate I'm, like okay now we're listening to the simulated right, output. Yeah, they don't AB it or anything. Maybe I just missed it, and maybe it's in another video. But it was like, well, mm. to the if I wasn't reading what this project or this product is about, I would just assume I'm listening to that cab mm. because there's a microphone on it and you're showing it to me. But I mean, that, that's that's just their poor video continuity. Yeah. But um, so you know what this this means now is that Brian has to buy one. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Actually, he has to buy two. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. For redundancy. Uh-huh. Yeah. And A B it and like let's get really scientific on this. Yeah. <laughs> I wanna know. Two ninety nine at Sweetwater. Two ninety nine, huh? Cabinet simulator and load box. One hundred watt max power. This is the eight ohm. You can so you can get it in four, eight, or sixteen. And they're all the same price, of course. Because Oh, you can just only it only comes you buy the omens you need. Yeah, that's or, typically or, how oh. load boxes are, um, because oh, they'd have to... Neat. Next up, I'm so excited about this. If I didn't just <laughs> redo my pedal board, I would really consider this. Yeah. Uh, Digital Audio Labs Stomp Blocks. <laughs> Stomp Blocks. Blocks. Modular pedal board system. So... Uh, I have a Pedal Train uh, Pro, and you know if you're familiar with Pedal Train, it's like the aluminum tubing that's um, got like a center beam on it, and it's kind of spaced out so you can run your cabling underneath and keep everything nice and neat. Uh, and this is the same kind of idea, except instead of having rails, you've got kind of a more of a grid system with space in between for you to run cables and stuff. It's a very similar concept. But um, the real awesome part about this is that they're much smaller. You buy them individually, and they snap together. And you can create a custom-shaped or sized pedal board to fit whatever you've got at the time. Sweet. Yeah, I'm looking at these configurations This is like, it's the best. You can... You can make an L shape. You can make a T shape. You can leave an empty space for a microphone stand if you want. It's it's such a brilliant idea. So the individual boards are twelve and a half by eight and a half by two. So they're you know they raise up off the ground two inches, and then on the back they've got little pop up legs for them to lean forward if you want. And they, it looks they like click they lean together. slightly anyway. There's a bit of a they probably would angle yeah. to it, and then um, it increases when you swing the feet out. So they uh, they snap together with like a, or they screw together, I guess. And inside of each one, there's like a little spring-loaded thumb screw that you can just, you know, th- they click oh, cool. in and then you, you tighten it up. Um, Coolest construction. Yeah. So and along with like the rail system, like a pedal train, they've got these little tabs for you to run zip ties through to keep everything really nice and neat. Because I know mm-hmm. that's a problem I have with mine. I didn't know it was a problem until I saw this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a problem. Um, you can combine it into any shape you want, uh, and you can upsize or downsize your rig kind of on the fly. Ultimately, like, say you have a section of three, uh, you could have basically three different pedal boards that you can chain together mm-hmm. and take them apart as you need, or just, oh, I got some more pedals, I need to buy another chunk. I mean, because if I wanted to downsize my pedal board, I don't have a smaller pedal board to put it on. I would have to sell mine and get a smaller one, and then that's where I would be until I wanted to upsize or downsize from there. Right. So I'd have to either buy a bigger one again, which is, you know, expensive and a hassle. So even, get this, even the gig bag comes in is modular. So once you get a bunch of them, you can zip the gig bags together so you have an appropriate sized <laughs> case oh, for your board. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't know so, that. Yeah. Pretty wicked, huh? <laughs> my my pedal train has a gig bag, and I thought I wouldn't really like that, but I do. And as opposed to a hard case, and uh-huh. I, th- this is just like everything. I if I if this came out, if I knew about this, I guess a year ago, I would really have mm. really considered. That. You really think a gig bag holds up on the road, though? Like you're saying it's well, fine the, now, but we're not 
playing yeah, out anymore. We're not gigging. Um, the one I have, it's it's huge. Um, it's really heavy duty, like double stitch nylon, and then in between the the two is like some corrugated plastic. So it is okay. rigid. Okay, so um, it actually it has a little bit of protection. I mean, it's just yeah, like I have it'll a, stand up on its own. Yeah, I have like an ATA flight case pedal board that I have used for years and years. And mm-hmm. I just kick it around. Like my pedals are in it. They're when it's closed, they're locked in foam, and yeah. it's all steel and wood all the way around. And I toss it into a truck or whatever. And I toss amps and stuff that are also in flight cases on top of it. That's what you can't. do. I mean, nylon. Right. That's what you can't do with, the, with this sort of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I. I mean, I can feel the pedals through the yeah. material. Um, but the thing is, I've only had to move the board a handful of times now. Right. Um, and I'm just not playing that. I mean, kind as of long stuff. as you put but it on top, I guess that's fine. But the thing is, though, the pedal train does make a hard case for the one I have, and I could just go buy it if I wanted. Sure. Um, I, Abe from East is East has the same one, I think, or maybe even the one bigger with the hard case. And he's told me <laughs> a number of times pounds. that although, <laughs> yeah, he's told me on a number of times, although it is awesome. You do need a forklift, yeah, to carry this thing around. And I, you know, considered that when I bought this board. I got it used, so mm-hmm. the gig bag wasn't. You know, I didn't really get a choice. But so anyway, the Stompblocks modular pedal board. Each chunk of it is sixty bucks. And okay, I don't know if that's expensive or not. I don't think it's expensive if you need one. So twelve, twelve and a half wide by eight and a half. It's basically a little larger than a sheet of paper. Sheet of paper. Okay, I've got that here. Uh, oh, and then also anything that any accessories they have, like pedal risers or the clips to um, hold in your your power supplies, like a Voodoo Lab pedal power two or anything like yeah. that, basically add uh, spots for you to put pedals on. Pro Guitar Shop has a demo of this of them like putting one together that we can link to in the show notes. Um, okay. So I'm trying to think like. I would have to lay out my pedals on many sheets of paper to determine how many of these I would need, but I'm pretty sure I would need at least three. Yeah, I'm looking, I'm holding a piece of paper up to my pedal board, and, and three of them would just about do it, I think. Yeah. Hmm. What are you What are you doing now? I'm sure you could use two, right? Oh, I'm not doing anything. I mean, they're just strewn about. They're honestly piled on top of each other at this point. But <laughs> okay, yeah, I was gonna say like I can't get my pedals close enough. I've said that to a number of people, and like if they could be on top of each other, it still wouldn't be close. Enough. Yeah, yeah, no, but, I, I don't. I'm not like um, artificially trying to spread them out, but I um, I don't, I don't know. Plus, I got this, I got this stupid power supply that I made that has transformers. Oh, yeah. and I got, <laughs> made a, a triple, triple voltage power supply with big honking transformers and it looks very well it looks kind of homemade tube amp actually but yeah it's exactly <laughs> what it looks like because <laughs> <laughs> i was just uh, anyway that's a different story it was a silly project so uh to anyone i guess who's looking to get into pedals i would say i think this is kind of a no-brainer well the the modular thing too you can start with a small one and then yeah. it just just add another one it just locks right one. in just get another one man just do it. Just do it. Yeah. But, I mean, that, yeah, that's like, the big that thing because otherwise you buy a pedal train. My dad bought a pedal train, like a junior yeah, or whatever. Saw it recently. And he's like, he had it for like a month and then he was like, oh man, I need a bigger one. It's like, you can't right, and just then, clip a pedal train onto it. the side of that. Yeah. They're still fantastic. Don't get me wrong. I love my pedal trains. I have two of them now. <laughs> but this is just, it's so much more like, I, I saw the thing and I was like, of course this is what we need. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. It, 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 this is great. I want there to be more sizes. Mm-hmm. You know, like the, the the single Like you could like you could buy a double wide and then the half size or something. Yeah, like if they have if they cut one of these in half or well, I don't know if that would work. They they, they could find some way of, of doing it. Yeah, like make one of the dimensions, like make the small dimension the same and then cut cut one in half. But then, I mean, what if you needed, that's all you needed. You needed one big one and one small one and just make it a little bit wider. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. I mean, but I, I, could, I, still, bet this ha- I bet this happens in the future. I bet they, when they get right, some sales under their belt product. next year, they, yeah. they release a couple of different sizes or... Or some other feature, you know, or kits. I mean, I'm sure you could 
by a by a four pack, you know, or something like yeah. that, or right. bundle like if they do a different size, too big, too small, that kind of thing. Oh, so cool, so cool. Pretty uh, rad. So yeah, digital audio labs stop blocks. That's so Modular hard to say. System. It is a little tough, but uh, sixty bucks. I mean, if like I said, if you're getting into pedals or or don't have many pedals, it's like. Yes, 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 yeah. yes, 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 yes. Because yeah. <laughs> you could just put your one or two pedals on a board, three pedals on a board. You know, a year mm-hmm. later, you have five or six, get another chunk. Ah. Ah. All right, sounds good. Ah, I like it. Moving right along. Hey, let's talk hey. about Pedal Genie. They've been a part of this podcast for a little while now. Mm-hmm. I think people have people get it. People have heard about it enough on this show, I think, to to understand that it's something that like we really, really enjoy having. Like sponsorship or not, I think it's we've made it clear that this is really a great service. <laughs> if you if you're for whatever reason you're unaware. Pedal Genie is like the Netflix for guitar pedals. Basically, you hop online and you go to pedalgenie.com slash tone control and you make a wish list and you look at this whole huge mega monster list of manufacturers and pedals and all kinds of cool gear. And you say, yeah, I want to try that. Hell yeah, I want to try the Keeley Seafoam Chorus. Hell yes, I want to try the whatever Justin has right now. <laughs> no, that's good. We'll leave that in. Okay. Um, <laughs> and you just you can just add them to your list and then you, you sign up you give them your credit card for $1 for the first month. They just send you a pedal and they say, Hey man, try it out. Throw it on your pedal board, play it through your amp with your guitars. And you go, I think I will. Yes, I, I think I will. Once you're done with it, if you say, yeah, this isn't for me, or I just kind of wanted to try it. Uh, what's next? You just send it back in your prepaid postage. After you've kept and, it for uh, as long as you want. As long as you want. And you, uh, you send it back and then they send you the next thing. I'm so excited to get the next thing. I can barely hang on to my pedals long enough. I just want them all, all the time. Yeah, and a constant <laughs> fight between I like this and I want to keep playing it and I want to yes. see what's next on my list. Yes, so they have tons of gear from a huge list of manufacturers like Cold, Craft Effects, MXR, T-Rex, Z-Vex, Renning Cuff, to name a very small few. Like we said, send you one at a time, but... Just recently, they announced Pedal Genie Pro, where you can get three pedals at a time for only $59.95 a month. Regular Pedal Genie is $34.95 a month, but your first month is a buck. So there's really no reason to not just try it out. For $34.95 a month, you can have one pedal out at a time. Keep it as long as you want. Send it back whenever you like to get the next one on your list. And for less than the price of two subscriptions, you can have three pedals out at a time. Which is awesome if you need... If you're shopping for a pedal and you need to try some stuff out side by side, yeah. right then. It's one thing to to get a pedal in the mail, play it for a week or two, send it back, get the next thing, play that for a week or two, and then decide. That's tough because, right. you know, you got to wait for the mail and, well, some time has passed, you forget. But if you've got all three pedals right in front of you and you can just stomp them on and off, it's awesome. It's it's a great way to, to build a pedal board or, or to just establish new sounds for yourself. Mm-hmm. And the the best news, I think, is that if you find out you really can't live without a pedal, you can keep it. You can just call them up and say, yo, I'll I'm keeping it. this shit. <laughs> and they'll be like, word. <laughs> and so then they'll, they'll work out a price with you based on your membership and how long you've been a member and um, how new the pedal is and, and what the pedal is and all that kind of stuff. So they're, they're just adding manufacturers all the time. They're adding you know services all the time, like buying pedals and Pedal Genie Pro and I am so glad to be part of this. Like it's, I get all kinds of awesome. We're gear proud to be in all cahoots the time. with them. Yes, cahoots. That's that's what we're doing. That's what I'm in. <laughs> that's what I'm in. <laughs> so what'd you have so, this week? As I mentioned, I have the uh, the Keeley Electronics Seafoam Chorus. Which is the first chorus pedal I had from Pedal Genie and the first Keeley Electronics pedal I've ever tried. Uh, I like the knobs just, on that thing. I like the knobs. Yeah, they got a deep knurl. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they're... they're <laughs> is that... <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. 
Is it a neural? They only go vertically. Is the neural is the neural hash, is like the, yeah, uh, the crosshatch pattern, right? Yeah. I think. I mean, does it count as well, a anyway, neural if they're just whatever it is, it's deep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is the first Keely pedal I've ever had. Um Keely started out as a company that did mods to like some less popular pedals, like so a few boss products that they mod the TR2 and the DS1 and that stuff. The blues driver, I think. Yeah. They started making some pedals, and I think uh, they got a pretty small line still. They are really known for their compressor. They've got a few different versions out, and they're all really sought after for different reasons. You know, the three-knob version, the four-knob version, that's what I keep reading. I haven't mm-hmm. tried one out yet. but So anyway, this is, this is great. It's a really nice, really lush-sounding, very versatile chorus. Uh, it's got four knobs, rate, depth, blend, and tone. Sorry, Hedy Topper's coming back on me. <laughs> How good is that uh, the second the, time? <laughs> equally good. <laughs> so the blend is like your oh, oh, dry-wet mix, which is neat, because I don't think you see that a lot on chorus pedals. It's more of a... Uh, and you should. like a del- You should, because yeah. it's it's really a, a nice kind of sleeper feature of this thing. Mm. I When I first started it, I was like, well, blend 100%. I want 100% wet. And... You know, that, that's when it sounds like a chorus pedal. And it sounds like a really, like, damn good chorus pedal at that. Mm. So the, the rate, less than 12 o'clock, is very chorus-like. It's very slow and, and very lush sounding. Uh, past 12 o'clock, it uh, kind of turns into a vibrato, mm-hmm. which is interesting. It t- toes the line between chorus and vibrato in a really cool way. Mm. Uh, and then that kind of directly relates to the depth knob. So you could do like fast rate and a, sh- a shallow depth will kind of give you this like kind of back to chorusy, but in a different sort of way than is mm. like the typical chorus sound. Or you can go really deep and really slow, which is more like a flanger. Huh. This is really so wide uh, range. On really lots of really usable sounds on this thing. And then the tone knob is just a nice, you know, range of kind of darker to kind of brighter. And, um, I've had a chorus pedal since I've really been into pedals. It was one of the first things I got, and mostly because it was in my mind of like, you know what makes a clean tone really great? Chorus. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I've kind of never looked back. This, it, I, I currently have the TC uh, Corona Chorus, which I'm pretty happy with, but after this thing, <laughs> it's it's got me kind of wondering. Yeah. Um, so... I, I like it a lot. I'm going to send it back soon, I think. Um, the only downside, new, this pedal's $229. Wow. Which is like a lot, I think, uh, for... It's, well, it's not a one-trick pony. I'm not going to say that, but it's like... That's a lot of money for a pedal. It's I think expensive analog the components in there, though. I mean, that's, that's yeah, what it comes down to. Awesome build quality. Standard 9-volt DC, true bypass, uh... Raging blue LED. <laughs> it's like a beacon into the night. Pulsar. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, all around good pedal. If you're looking for a chorus, I would really recommend it. It's just, and, and with the blend knob, you can dial in, you know, obviously whatever you want. You can go 100% wet, wet or just kind of add a little bit or a nice 50 50. It was, I really enjoyed it. It's, it's a good, good pedal. Sweet. What do you got? This week, I've got the Exotic Effects Robotalk. I think it's actually the Robotalk 2. It doesn't say 2 on it, but when you look it up, this is the picture yeah. that has 2 on it. So There's a lot of knobs on that thing. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of knobs. So basically, this guy is an envelope filter, like okay. which kind of ends up sounding a little bit like an Ottawa except it's not yeah. such a heavy like frequency change, um, but it kind of can be. It, it's a little different, and it spends a lot more time in, in the high range and, and a lot less of this, the mid-sweepy thing that you'll get from a wah, but it's the same sure. idea. So basically, you're, senti- you're uh, setting the sensitivity knob to kind of the level of where your notes are, volume-wise, so that you're activating the envelope when you pick. I see. And then, oh, okay. and then yep. there's a decay knob for how quickly it's going to roll back off afterwards. So it's kind of kind of give it this little buzzy, sweepy thing, sort of like a synth, uh, an envelope filter for a synth. I mean, this is the same thing. So this basically has two of them on one pedal. 
So you have hmm. independent controls for the sensitivity, decay, the resonance, which is sort of like where it emphasizes the sweep in the frequency range. Yeah, yeah. You turn it up for a more squeaky kind of thing and turn it down and it'll be a warmer kind of... ends up being pretty subtle when it's on the lower side of the resonance. So independently switchable. You can have them both on, both off, whatever you want. So two bypass switches. It's basically two pedals in one on one power supply. There is uh, a volume knob for each side of the pedal. Um, So you can sort of use that to blend between the two envelope filters and then a direct versus volume basically mix knob in the middle. So how much of your direct signal is passing right through. So it ends up being a really versatile kind of way to get this strange... It's not synthy, like it doesn't do anything synthy to your guitar, but the thing that you hear on a lot of synths that filter sweep um, yeah. is is uh, what's happening to your guitar signal. So, But it was, it was kind of cool to play with. Um, I feel like this would be a better pedal in the hands of somebody who was um, real good at like a clean, real good picking clean guitar player. Right. Yeah, I see what you mean. A little, little um, maybe somebody with a funkier style and stuff like that. Like, I found that with mm-hmm. with distortion on, I could make my distortion sound go sound a lot more crazy than it was. Like without adding more gain, I'm adding all these kind of squealy high frequencies that make it sound like it's crazily overdriven. Um, mm-hmm. And then it the envelope kind of just stays open because it's so loud. And then as I hit a chord and let it ring out, I could I could hear the filter sweep back down. So it did kind of give some action in that regard. The the clips I recorded, I tried to do one kind of cleanish and try to find something that sounded cool and then uh and then a couple of chords in in under a distortion, which is another one. So that those will those will be little we talked about the, our little okay. stabs and stuff. Those will be things that we can use in the show. Uh there's like six other knobs on that thing right there. <laughs> no, man. Look. So check it out. Really? Um there's four on, on the top. And then what are those? The little four ones? on the top are the sensitivity and decay for each side of the pedal. Oh, so okay. sensitivity oh, and decay oh, twice. Oh, right. Okay. I didn't realize they both had that. They they both both sides okay. of the pedal have all the controls. That's the thing. And then so mm. then the little ones underneath are just the resonance and volume for each side of the pedal. And then the middle one okay. is the ba- the blending in of your direct signal. So. That's cool. Hmm. Yeah. So what is it? I mean, so if you have both on with like kind of opposing settings. Right. That's what I kind of found worked best um, when trying to use them both. You set one to grab your louder notes and maybe another one to grab your softer notes. And so then you'll have a sort of range of if I attack it really hard, I'll get this really exaggerated envelope because they both strike and and then decay at different times. And then when I pick softly, I'll have like a calmer one because I'll only be hitting one of the two. That kind of thing. Nice. I mean, that sounds, it sounds like a really cool pedal, but I I agree. Uh, I don't know if it's something I would want to have. Yeah. I think if we played funk uh, guitar, we'd be I, all over it. Yeah, I don't know if it's something I would be able to use well, you know, yeah. without it, without me thinking it sounded silly. But <laughs> yeah. whatever. Yeah. So there you have it. That's what I have. I'll. Yeah. I give it a thumbs up. It's a good pedal. I didn't check the price. Exotic on makes this. really good stuff, though. I mean. Yeah. <clears throat> I guess it looks like uh, it's two twenty five kind of range. That's about about fair, I would say. I mean, yeah. Exotic isn't a big company, and for a pedal that's basically two pedals in one. Right. That's oh, bit, one thing I didn't price. mention, there are some dip switch controls that can change the frequency responses. You can actually tailor both of the both of the envelope filters a little bit more to your sound. Like you can make them a little more uh, tonally shaped one way or the other. And there's input filters so that you can, if you're feeding it active pickups or passive pickups, because oh, that would obviously smart. change the attack range of the thing. So, right. It'll work with whatever guitar. You just play with the dip switches. Nice. Yeah. Got all the features you'd want in a uh, in an envelope filter, and then it's got all of them again. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, twice as many features as your standard envelope filter. That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, if you want to try out either of these pedals, you can head to pedalgenie.com slash tone control and sign up for just a buck. And I really cannot stress that. <laughs> Did you just say that. just a buck? Just a buck. Like what? you there's no no reason to not do it. Anyway, 
We uh, thank Pedal Genie for their sponsors. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for their sponsorship. Uh, they're the best, and go become a fan. They rule, Pedal Genie. Yeah. Thanks. Pedalgenie.com slash tone control. It's easy. They'll practically do it for you. All right. Uh, right. So what's left of this show that we were worried it was going to be short, so we padded it with stuff, and now we're already running long? (laughs) (laughs) It looks like a news item that I put in here. Yeah, remember that time I was like, hey, uh, I didn't put a show together. (laughs) Yeah, and I was like, oh, well, I'll put this in. So this is a little bit less guitar-related than some of the other stuff that we talk about, but this is the sort of thing that I come across in my daily commute you could say from my studio to my kitchen table and then back to my studio (laughs) um the joys of working from home am i right (laughs) i've actually been out of this out of the house uh a lot this past week and probably next week too going doing sessions at some local studios here in cincinnati so that's that's cool to kind of get a change of scenery but most of the time yes so there's this thing going around it's called the distortion of sound And it kind of plays itself looking like a documentary. I could have, I guess I could have hidden my feelings a little better if I'd said it's a documentary. Um, (laughs) It claims to be a documentary. It runs about 22 minutes and you can find the whole thing on YouTube um, and we'll have the link too, but you can find it, search for it. I saw this going around. It actually took me a while to get to actually watching it, but I saw people sort of venturing their opinions. And basically they have a ton of, very, very famous music industry pros, um, producers, artists, composers, uh, engineers, just everybody, uh, lots of big names, kind of talking about the history of personal music playback and, you know, mm. right up through eight track and cassettes and CD and then MP3. And it's like, oh, and then all the quality starts getting sucked out of everything. So it's it's another one of these things where it's all about mm. how, oh, your music's being destroyed by compression. And it's definitely, this is definitely aimed at the consumer and they make a couple of sort of generalization errors, to put it gently, as far as <laughs> how they explain what's actually going on in the technology. Because for one thing, they don't really seem to distinguish between audio compression and file size compression. We all know that MP3s oh. are significantly lower file size, like how many bits on the disk, compared to full resolution wave files like we had on CD. CD was 16-bit, 44.1 kilohertz. That has the entire audio waveform in it. The MP3 mm-hmm. takes that and um, it does some kind of computer tricks, and they're sometimes referred to as psychoacoustic tricks, to reduce the amount of bits that they have to save onto the disk to be able to recreate a similar enough waveform that your ear will hear it as basically the same. Right, so for schmucks like me. (laughs) Well, the thing is, it's not... There are environments where you can totally tell. Yeah, and this documentary makes the point that it, it makes it seem like they sound way worse than they really do. And the other thing is, yeah. like nowadays, we're not really using 128k MP3s anymore, or at least I, I'm not. And they're, you know, better quality ones are available if you want them. I mean, mm-hmm. iTunes is iTunes Plus is 256, which I've got my whole music collection in 256 that I carry around on my phone, which is only like twice the size of the old style MP3, which is still about a fifth the size of a full size WAV file. A CD right. quality wave file, so it's a. I think it's a. It's a really good compromise. On in this documentary, they start explaining just how terrible this is when they just crush the music, and it almost sounded to me like they were going to start talking about the way audio mastering has sort of taken taken itself That's completely what out I was of control. Expecting this to be more about was the loudness war issue, right? Um, and they yeah. talk about it because in that when language. You think about, when you hear about like distortion of sound, you kind of think about like distortion not in the 
overdrive just guitar way but like in the it is actually distorted and not correct yeah it's and and they talk about the music being crushed and i think music has started to be crushed in the last 10 years by a lot of people um but it's audio compression it's not the file size compression i do not think it's it's before it even becomes a file size right (laughs) it's yeah (laughs) and, and then to to make matters worse they start showing you these sort of demos of what the music's like when it's not crushed and they have, you know, a drummer playing and they even draw these waveforms on the screen while you're listening to it and they toggle back and forth between what they're calling the MP3 digital compression and the full wave. And hmm. the full wave's playing and you see all the peaks and everything and then they switch to the compressed version and they show you this like block of waveform that's totally crushed, like all the peaks are lopped off and they're like, see, look how much of the music you're missing. And what they're playing for you on the screen, they have horribly audio compressed it. They've taken all the dynamics out of it, way more than you will ever hear on an actual record. And they've band yeah. limited it, so they've cut out all the highs and lows. So you're only hearing a little bit of the mid-range. It's not a fair representation so, so of MP3 at all. Right, they're using it the wrong example basically they're doing something that never happens in reality in fact right they're probably exaggerating it in that or i at least hope they're exaggerating <laughs> oh, they i haven't are. seen this yet <laughs> but i mean if it's not made clear that this is an exaggeration for you to understand what's happening not at then all. that's a problem too but like i mean it's sometimes like with, with little changes like that it's it's easier to say like look this is a really extreme example right um, which they could have said but they didn't yeah, you know, and also that's—I mean, correct me if I'm wrong—but that sounds like a demonstration of this whole loudness war problem rather than a file size compression problem. Right. It's like exactly. Yeah, they're, they're both—they both affect the end user in a certain way, but they're—you you could say that like, oh, you're missing out on chunks of music. Basically, you're missing out on these yeah. pieces of waveform that are cut out, but they're cut out in different ways and for different reasons. Yeah, and it's totally it's totally misrepresenting the actual issue that they're trying to talk about and it's misrepresenting the issue that is sort of alongside what they're trying to talk about, which is the loudness, yeah. just crushing music to within an inch of its life um, and crushing all the peaks out of it. It's a very slick sort of quick smash oh, the, cutting between the different well, the, interviews. the cast on this is crazy. Yeah. Quincy Jones, Snoop Dogg, Slash, mm-hmm. Mike Shadona. Hans Zimmer. I mean, it goes on and on. There's some serious names. <laughs> and basically what they have from all these people is quick pull quotes. Um, they spend a lot of time, though, with Mike Shinona, Shin- Shinoda, who is from Linkin Shino- Park. Is it Shinoda? Is it Shadona? Shinoda. I've been saying this wrong my whole life. <laughs> Mike Shinoda. Oh, my God. I've been saying, been saying this wrong my entire life. <laughs> so they have Mike Shinoda from Linkin Park. They also have Andrew Sheps, uh, who is a mix engineer. Linkin Park's latest release is one of the worst offenders, Loudness Wars-wise, in quite a while. Mm. Like, it's really crushed. And Andrew Sheps happened, like, he's a great engineer. He happened to mix Metallica's Death Magnetic. The of sort he of did. <laughs> it's It's like the, the example of the Loudness War. Like, this album that sounds like garbage because it's just so crushed. And, mm-hmm. and I mean, I Remember can find they- you examples of metal music... <laughs> Just the other day on Ian Shepard's blog, he was citing a particular example of a new metal album that just came out, and it has a really small dynamic range, like DR2, um, but it also doesn't sound like that. Like It was mixed in such a way where it could take that kind of compression, because there are ways that you can do that and have it not sound nearly as bad. Yeah. But that anyway, that's a side point. All, all this stuff seems to be a bunch of misleading nonsense, and they seem to be trying to fool the average lay person who might be watching it. And so it's like, why are they trying to do that? Well, at the very end, it's there's like a call to action at the end of this documentary. It says, you know, all most of your music has been sucked out of your files by MP3. And, it, and then it says, right. but we can get it back. <sighs> okay. And then it's just this cryptic thing, like visit distortionofsound.com. And when you go to distortionofsound.com, you see sort of an ad for this documentary, which was really an ad. And then at the bottom, you keep scrolling down and you find that this is all from the Harmon company, which is, they make some uh, audio equipment, uh, audio listening equipment. And it's also this thing called Clarify. C-L-A-R-I-F-I-S-O-U-N-D. Like hi-fi. Right. 
clarify as in hi-fi sound, which seems to be a kind of audio equipment slash software that is supposed to put back all the stuff that got removed from your MP3. Um, which, okay. it, it, to, to answer uh, the next question, yes, that is literally impossible. Right. It is a lie. It is probably yeah. just using some fancy EQ tricks and transient processing to beef up the loudness of transients and fool your ear into thinking that they've put back something into your MP3 with this sort of strange processing. All, all the sound examples on their website on Clarify Sound are so obviously misrepresentative because the the listening level changes. Like when you listen to their processed one, it's like at least 2 dB louder than the crappy example they were just showing you. So even there again, they're intentionally exaggerating the nonsense so that you won't have a fair comparison. And it's been proven by many tests that uh, human ears will perceive the louder version of a sound as better. Like if you're listening to a song, two versions of it, and one of them is louder than the other, you're going to think the louder one sounds better. So you have to always listen level matched. Right. That's, I mean, it's easy to fall into because like even just like changeover music at a concert, like it's still pretty loud and it's through a slamming system and you're yeah. just like, oh my God, this sounds incredible. And yeah. it's just like, yeah, it sounds incredible because it's super loud, but it's, it's still just loud. playing off some dude's iPhone. Yeah, <laughs> that's <laughs> like right. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, this is interesting. It reminds me, um, we never talked about this on the show and I still think it might be something worth getting into. And I, the last time I brought it up, it was at the end of the show and I was like, we don't have time. <laughs> and, and, here we'll we again. Again. <laughs> and here we are. Um, the MP3 player that Neil Young started. Oh yeah. Or not MP3 player. Which isn't, an, uh, it, Pono. it's supposed to be a new format, right? Like not MP3. Right. It's a new, it's a whole new thing, yeah. file format and everything that is supposed to, um, like play ultra high quality files. Yeah. Basically, but in a pocket friendly size. I guess. Right. Um, I don't know a lot about it, but it's like I, it's the most successful Kickstarter, or like in the top five or something. Mm-hmm. It, again, the, the video for it is all these like really famous artists, mostly. Yeah. Just describing like, oh, when I put it on, it was so much. It sounded like vinyl and blah blah blah, which has me questioning. Also, like maybe is vinyl really the most accurate representation of what's being recorded? Yeah. I know that's where like a lot of people's it's kind of like where their allegiance lies. It's like, you know, vinyl or die kind of thing Mm -hmm. or even or any other format really. But it's like how much of what you're hearing is a byproduct of the medium itself. Right. You know, versus like a CD or even like an uncompressed wave or something like that should technically be the purest source of audio. Right. Okay. So, the thing about I mean, vinyl do, is do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, the thing about vinyl is that it's actually an audio stream. It isn't broken up into samples. Yeah. So Right. Right. So if you spin a record and turn the speakers off, you can still hear the record. Like if you put your ear next you to the needle, next you can, the needle, can still you hear, can hear, it. hear it. Yeah. Yeah. Um but that doesn't really matter. That's what people say and they want to talk about how great vinyl sounds. Vinyl probably sounds appealing to people because there's a small amount of distortion in it. And there, it has an organic feel because there's this extra noise. It's the same reason we like tube amps over solid-state amps. Now, digital ends up being a truer representation because it doesn't cause those changes to happen. Now, a yeah. lot of people end up finding those changes pleasant. So that's why they think vinyl yeah. sounds better. That's, that's just like, I've never really said that to anybody because I'm not about to start a fight about this. But like, I, you know, I talk to people older than me and you know we get into this whole like oh you don't know what vinyl is it's like a big cd and i'm like i also must not know what world war ii was right (laughs) (laughs) yeah well the 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 misconception too about digital people know in their in their brains they understand that this is samples it's tiny little samples played back very fast Mm -hmm. but that's not what it is I mean, that's how it's recorded in the computer. That's how the computer keeps track of where the waveform should be at a particular point in time. But by the time you Mm -hmm. hear it, it's gone back through a digital to analog converter and it has been converted back into audio. We can't hear digital. We can only hear 
actual audio waveforms. Right, because so, when it's pushing that speaker, yeah, guess what? That speaker is not <laughs> moving digitally. It is existing yeah. in all the spaces between the samples during the time between the samples, and that's how it produces a, a full waveform. So it is yeah. back to analog by the time you hear it. So I... I don't. I don't really have patience for that argument. People, if people like vinyl, yeah. it's because they like the artifacts of vinyl. Yeah, which is perfectly acceptable. Yeah. and honestly, I like it too. Sure, it's it sounds it's very unique and it can be unpredictable. And there is something about it that's great. Mm -hmm. But to say that it is inherently better, yeah. is now, unfair. Now, the all these famous industry professionals are there because. They do care about the quality of the music. This is what they do. Oh, yeah. You know, and I care about it. This is what I do. But the Pano thing is is actually trying to work toward a solution to that. It's actually providing you something that doesn't have most of the file removed, even if we can yeah. psychoacoustically make it sound almost just like if none of it was removed, which is the facts for high-quality MP3s. <sighs> so I've, yeah. I've Every, Whenever this kind of thing comes up, we just like totally... <laughs> blow up about it and go off the handle. Yeah, I know. I was like, oh, I can keep this to 10 minutes. Uh, yeah, right. Well, anyway, well, so if if you come to this documentary in your travels, the distortion of sound, uh, don't be fooled. It's a load of shit. <laughs> Sorry. Tell it like honestly, it is. Honestly, I mean, I, I was so... No, I believe I was I disappointed because, I mean... Come come on with this crap. There's There's actual things that we could be talking to people about, like... If the people of the world insist that music doesn't get crushed and destroyed with compression, then we could have more dynamic, more lively music for sale. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. And it will fit on whatever device you need it to. We can use our MP3s and hopefully 256K or better MP3s, which I think sound fine, especially for the average listener. I mean... Unless you've got equipment that costs tens of thousands of dollars, you probably don't need to be investing in 192 kilohertz, you know, files for your your music collection. Because because if you're if you're like yeah. I, I listen to music off off of my iPhone all the time, and I plug it into my car, and car stereos are notoriously bad. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm not trying to fool myself into thinking that I can hear the difference between. You know, a 256K MP3 and the real CD, you know, the full waveform or like, or, or when I buy digital releases from artists and they're like, oh, we'll give you the 24-bit and here's the FLAC files. Hmm. You know what? Maybe, maybe if I was listening to it in my actual studio. Yeah. But when it's on a playback system, give me a break. Right. Like I there's mean, no the thing, need like, for Where this. do you listen to most of your music? It, and I, that's a question I think people need to ask themselves. And right. for a lot of people, it's the car or the gym or right. and whatever. Right, on earbuds you know? or something. And you can spend some yeah. money and get some nicer earbuds, but they're always going to be earbuds. There's, only, there's an upper ceiling to that. And I, yeah. it's, it's going to sound weird for me to be arguing, oh, no, like deal, keep your low-quality MP3s or whatever. No, I think, I think 256 is a good balance for the consumer, yeah. you know. And I think it still matters. Like me saying that doesn't mean that my job doesn't matter, that I shouldn't try to make things sound absolutely as good as they can. I still record in 24-bit because where 24-bit matters is when you have 40 tracks. And if every yeah. single one has a little bit of hiss in it, that adds <laughs> up. So if I can lower that yep. hiss by 6 dB on every track or more, then I'm going to take that. And then your music's going to come out better by the end of it. And then at the very end, sure, I'm going to compress it into an MP3 and it's going to get sent to iTunes. But it it does matter. It does matter and it doesn't mean we have to we have to buy crap like Clarify to try to fool ourselves into thinking we're replacing the stuff that was taken away by the MP3 codec. And I don't think it means we need to be listening to 192 kilohertz sounds because we can't hear past 20k like and for those, all right, so for those who don't understand what I'm saying, when you have a digital audio file, it has a sampling frequency. It takes two samples to make a waveform, to make a full wave, right? Because it has to go up and then it has to go back down and then return to zero. Yep. That's one full cycle of the wave. So if you think about it, 44.1 kilohertz means that the maximum frequency that, that, that can be encoded into that audio file 
is 22,500 hertz. Human hearing goes up to roughly 20,000 hertz. For most people, it's not that high. Once you're like eight years old, you've lost some of your super, super high end. Uh, So, (laughs) you know, like people with really great ears can hear up to 20,000 hertz. So the CD can already store more data than you can hear. Going higher than that, I don't think is going to help you. So that's my point. Flame me, Reddit. (laughs) <laughs> don't worry not a lot of action over there okay i, I we, we've, we've got to sign off because i'm gonna keep talking <laughs> oh boy all righty well well see here again we, we padded this we this uh we were afraid this would be a short episode and we've padded it again we can't be stopped tone control an undeniable force yeah that's right <laughs> all right so once again Remember that this that we're sponsored by Pedal Genie and they're nice to us, so you should be nice to them and go to pedalgenie.com slash tone control to check it out. And where can the thing is hmm? they'll be nice to you also. So, oh yeah. I mean, uh, sorry, that, that was not implied. just nice to us. They'll be nice to everybody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh thank you know, thank you very much for listening to the, thank you, listener, for listening. It's your only function. <laughs> <laughs> But if they want to function more, want to function where more. can they go? Yeah, get get at us on uh, the Twitter at the Tone Control and on Facebook at facebook.com slash the Tone Control. You can see our page and people yeah, can get on there and talk to us and stuff. We'll allow it. Um, if you if you prefer email, you can send us an email at uh, tone control show at gmail.com. And of course the website is one year old yesterday, tonecontrolshow.com. There's uh, some extra content there and in those other places from time to time, too. You can listen to the show there. You can browse through just all kinds of cool photos of gear. If your friend who uses Apple showed you this podcast, but you're an Apple hater and you have something else, you can go there, tonecontrolshow.com, to get the RSS feed, and then you can add it to your non-iTunes podcast player jobby. Podcatcher. Podcatcher. Yeah, dog catcher or whatever. And get mm. um, get us in your earballs. Right in the earballs. <laughs> uh, well, that was, that was an okay episode, I guess. I think it was good. You think it was that, good? That stuff at the end. Yeah, I mean, it, it was long, but you know what it is? Good. It's whenever I, I rant at by the end of this it. Is not good. By the end of my rants, I realized that I was ranting, and then I go, "Oh crap! I ruined another episode." <laughs> not again. Well, the graphics for this thing is like a record and it starts to deteriorate near the bottom and then it's all all crumbly. They get it. Fucking stupid. (laughs) (sighs) Oh, man. All right. Well, until next time. This has been. I'm Derek Heidemann. I'm going to say my name this time. I'm Derek Heidemann. Guess who you are? I'm just. Guess? I'm Justin Newton. (laughs) As my guess. All right, people. We'll try to do better next time. You know, that's. I mean, even if we did good, that's still a blanket statement, right? We'll try to do better next time. I always try. I always try. I try to better myself. Word. Word. See ya. Peace.